Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being with us today, as you've already heard a dozen times, but thank you for being here in this room. Those who are watching online and those who are in the multi-purpose room, thank you so much for hanging in with us. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I want to take just a few minutes, and then we're going to have our candlelighting service and get you on your way. But thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Christmas celebration. We're so glad that you are here today. As I was thinking about this message, this uh, abbreviated message, uh, my heart went to Bethlehem. Uh, Some of us in this room who I've traveled with were privileged to be in Bethlehem uh, years ago and uh, got to go to the uh, Church of the Nativity and all of those things. At Christmas, it's a real celebration. Over three million people from around the world would gather in Bethlehem to celebrate Christmas, people from all over the world. And there are, it's a big celebration. There are marching bands and dancers and singers, thousands uh, fill the area. And then hundreds filled the Church of the Nativity. They put golden lights up in, uh, uh, on Star Street. It's a giant tree with a huge ruby star in, in, in Manger Square. There is an air of celebration, obviously, for hundreds of millions, maybe a billion Christians around the world. We look to Bethlehem. Uh, this year, there will be no visitors, no marching bands, no dancers or singers, There'll be no lights on Star Street. There'll be no star put up in Manger Square. One pastor, Pastor Salam from Emmanuel Evangelical Church in Bethlehem, found an old banner in the closet. And in this quiet time where they're not doing any celebration, he put up this banner for his church, simply said this, let us arise and worship God. Now some of you may be wondering like, me, you know, with all the violence in the area in Israel and in Gaza and around the area, what's to worship? What's to to get excited about? And yet these people in the middle of all that they're going through, stop and choose to arise and worship God. According to the local pastors I was reading in Christianity Today, it said, they said this, they said, you know, it may be a silent night this Christmas, but it will remain a holy night. It may be silent, but it remains a holy night. And I I immediately thought of this song. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul, our soul, felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, for me, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus can be summed up in a, in a passage you might not think is a Christmas passage, but it really is. In fact, I would say it's the Christmas passage. For some of us who were raised in church in Sunday school, you may not remember what Sunday school was. It was on Sunday. It was the Bible study time before the actual service. Anybody remember? Well, if, for, for those three of you that lifted your hands, I guarantee you learned this verse early on. It was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, I pray that verse is never taken for granted. I pray it's not forgotten because it says it all. It says, number one, that God loves you, that we matter to God. For God so loved the world and 
Then he's given us this really cool gift, this wonderful gift, the gift of himself, the gift of his son, Jesus. That should make you feel, that should, that should help your soul feel its worth today. That you feel the love of God and he has given you something that not only can, can meet your needs in this life, but promise you an eternal life as well. Advent looks not only backwards to the birth of, of the king, not only looks back to that baby in the manger, which Pastor Daniel read to the children, but the word Advent means the arrival or coming. So it not only looks back to the first coming of Jesus, the Messiah, but it looks forward to when the king comes again. He's not the baby in the manger this time. The Bible says he's the king. He's the king of kings who will establish his earthly kingdom on this and in this world. Looking forward like that, Pastor Daniel at the three o'clock yesterday asked that same question that we've asked for 30 years. What do you want for Christmas? And you get a lot of cool answers. I want a unicorn. I want a, a tetherball. I want a something. But at the, at the three o'clock, there was a show-stopping kid. I don't remember his face. Couldn't pick him out in a crowd. But when Pastor Daniel asked him, what do you want for Christmas? He said these words. He said, I want my lost loved ones back. Well, you know, I'm kind of an emotional guy. And uh, that caught me. Maybe you can identify with that. I don't know what he meant. I mean, maybe they were lost down in Sumner. I don't know. But what I sensed his heart was, something's been lost to me and I want it back. Something's been taken, it's lost, and I want to reclaim it. I want it to be mine again. Some of us in this room can identify with that lost loved ones. Last Sunday was the anniversary of my mom's one year passing from this life into her next life. This year, my friend Randy Zachary went to be with the Lord. My cousin David Armstrong went to be with the Lord. My friend uh, Jimmy Doe's, who I grew up with in, at Calvary Temple down in Orange, went to be with the Lord. I know what loss is, and many of you do. I've talked to many of you who've lost a dad, a mom, a brother, someone that you care deeply about, and, and this Christmas is different for you. It's just different. May not be any worse, but it's different because that person in your mind has been lost to you, and, and, and we understand that. Then there are others who have battled sickness. Talked to a lady at one of the services last night. I've known her for years. And, and she is in those, that stage of cancer when a new experimental drug comes out, they give it to her. Because nothing else is working. And so if something experimental comes out, they give it to her. And she's doing well right now. But many of you know what it, it's like to face heart disease or cancer. Some of you know what it is to face mental health issues or to have a wayward son or a daughter. You know what what all of these things are because you experience it and more in, in 2023. I've got a verse for you and it's another Christmas verse. For me, it is the Christmas verse of, of the future Advent that we will enjoy when Christ returns. It's in Revelation 21. You've heard it from this platform many times. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is for someone this morning. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne has said, listen up. The king says, I'm making everything new. The old stuff like death and mourning and pain and sorrow and all these things. That's old stuff and we're not going to have it anymore. I'm making everything new. That's the hope of Advent. That's the hope of Christ's coming. It's the promise. All those things that causes fear and strife and anxiety and anger and all those things will be gone. And God will make everything new. You know, in the life of Jesus at Christmas time, at Advent, those four weeks, we talk about when he's born, that, that birth of Jesus. May not know the exact date, but it's the birth of the Messiah. That's the beginning on, uh, of his time on this earth. And then, and then we know that scripture just told us that one day he will come again. But how many know that between there and there, there was a whole lot of living going on. You know, when Mary and I travel, I, I'll, I'll stop, we'll stop at, at cemeteries. We're not necessarily looking for our new home. We're just <laughs> wanting to, to see the dates. I love, I love looking at old, old tombstones. I've seen them from the 1500s, the 1400s. Some barely able to be seen in the 12th. I mean, it's amazing the date of some of these. They have their beginning date and they have their passing date or their end. You wanna know what's important about those tombstones? It's really not what's there at the beginning and it's not really the date at the end. It's the dash in the middle, right? It's the dash in the middle that matters. And when we go back to Jesus, it's the dash of his life. It's his words, it's his teachings, his values, his ethics his philosophy for life, his, his thoughts on forgiveness, his thoughts on love and peace and joy and hope. It's the stuff in the middle. It's his healings. It's the miraculous things that he did. It's all of these things. It's the middle of his life that reminds us who he is. And then even within the context of the dash of his life, the middle, then it narrows into that, that key moment that makes that and that have depth and gravitas and meaning. It's when... When Jesus, the Messiah, the baby, when the king lays down his life and says, I will die for them. I will forgive them. I will give them eternal life. I will, I will establish because of my death and resurrection. I will, I will add the power to that. And because he died and rose again, you and I sit here in this room 2,000 years later and we worship and we celebrate and we praise God because this life is not all there is. There's something more. And we just read what it is. It's when Jesus will establish a new world, a new place, a new heaven, a new earth, a new, world, a new order. And the old things that hurt so deeply, the losses and the disappointments and the sorrows will no longer have any place in this world. Aren't you excited about that? I for one am. See, what makes Christmas so good, I, I hate to say it this way, it sounds cliche, but if there's no Easter, if there's no Easter, there's really no Christmas. Look right up here. If there's no Easter of his death and resurrection, Christmas has no significance nor meaning. And the promise of the king doesn't really exist unless the same power that raised Christ from the dead arises within us 
and secures the future that we have in Christ in the new heavens and new earth. Does that make sense to everybody? I mean, what I want you to do today is just understand how truly wonderful Christmas is. How powerful it is. Because it says that the world and all its garbage and all its stuff and all the anger and the bitterness and the frustration that we deal with on a daily basis does not last. It does not win. Who wins? He wins. When do we win? When he comes back. And the old order of things passes away. As we close today, I would ask you this. I want to read something to you first. There's a, her name is uh, Linda Ellis. Linda Ellis would say this uh, in her poem, it's the dash. I love the one stanza that said, would say this. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. Make sense? So here's my question. Today as we celebrate Christmas, it's not only about the Messiah, the baby in the manger, the soon coming king. It's not only about what he accomplished. It comes down to you and I. How then shall we live? What will comprise our life in 2024? What will make up our life? I was listening to Mark Sayer, a podcast some of us listen to from time to time, a pastor in New Zealand or Australia. And he's a sharp guy. Sharp guy because he mainly agrees with me and that's, he's a sharp guy. Uh, but I think we'll all agree on this. He said 2024 is probably going to be a year of anger. I'll, I'll explain that, yes. It comes down to, to our politics. Uh, people are angry with one another. There's this thing called polarization. And, and what it means is no one can agree on anything anymore. Everyone seems to think everything is broken from our political system to our educational system to our judicial system. And instead of just being discouraged about it, what you're going to see is people becoming more and more angry. You see that in homes right now. In fact, I guarantee you this Christmas, I guarantee you there was someone not invited to the house because of their views politically. I guarantee you there were some that there was frustration and anger. You guys can't, some people can't even sit at the same table anymore. How many know what I'm talking, don't lift your hand, but how many know what I'm talking about? Anger. And so I'll ask the question again, what's the dash of our life going to be? Will we participate in the anger of this world and the, the anger that spills over and treats people badly? Or will we establish the dash of our life being as people who through the storms and through the anger and through the frustrations and all of those things, will we be men and women who has the Bible said, Jesus is the light of the world. And if Jesus lives in us, then may our light shine. The Bible said this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good, good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Pastor Ray, what are you saying? I'm saying the greatest gift we can give humanity in, in 2024 I mean, we're talking about the words of Jesus just starting off the year because I don't know about you, but I think they're really important for this time. And what's happening 
is the words of Jesus are being used as a tagline for politics or for someone's point of view. And how many know that the words of Jesus can ever be used that way? Why? Because he's the son of God. And he's not a tagline. He's the king. So when you go into that situation around the water cooler, I'm not even going to throw our water coolers anymore, but when you walk into a situation and people are just spewing, spewing their anger, can I suggest this? The greatest gift that we can give to our Lord and Savior is not to add fire or fuel to the flame, but rather be the light of the world that shines the light on the darkness of that anger and, and helps it evaporate. See, you can do one of two things. Someone said this, and I don't know who. It's easier, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. You know what I want to be? What I want us to be? I want us to be the lights that shine in the darkness that push back against all the, the anger and the frustration. And we turn the tide and we say, oh, I know, I know it's bad. I mean, we're not gonna be dumb about it. We know it's bad. But we have a hope and a joy and a peace and a love that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's available to you. You can follow the foolishness of this world or you can follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Give Jesus a shot because he's never failed. I've been here 36 years, friends, and I've been through some hard times just like you have. And I'm here today to tell you the God I serve, the Jesus that is in my heart, has never, ever failed. Ever failed. Ray, have you ever been hurt? Yeah. Ever had people say mean things? With regularity. <laughs> have you ever felt down? Absolutely. But at the core of my being, there's been this dash that said, my God is able. And if he's able for me, he's able for you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So we're going we're gonna to symbolize that light thing today. Thank you so much. Get out your candles. Two things I'd ask you to notice about this. I want you to notice how fast we can light all these candles. And two, how quickly, how quickly the brightness comes. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.